You're listening to Once, episode 76, In the Name of the Brother. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. And big thanks to Simul TV for sponsoring this episode of Once Podcast. I'll tell you more about them in a little bit if you haven't heard about them already. Well, we have rewatched this episode in the name of the brother, which the name by itself, I mean, from the beginning, when I saw that name for the first time, I thought definitely this is about Dr. Whale's brother mm-hmm. because we've from the episode, the doctor, it was hinted that there is this whole thing about his brother, some backstory there. So when I saw this, I knew it would be about him. Well, that's very presumptuous of you. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> because I still say that maybe Jefferson is Regina's brother. Oh, could be. But Jefferson wasn't in this. Whatever. He could have been. (laughs) And it hasn't been, brother hasn't been used to refer to Jefferson like Dr. Well, just with the whole context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me think, you know. So that's certainly what this episode was about. And his brother still does not show up in Storybrooke. Presumably, his brother is back in a land without color, uh, which is what we're calling it. Because that's what the producers called it. And now we know for sure that that land doesn't have color. And apparently has lots of lightning, too. <laughs> and apparently is referred to as Earth. I have a comment regarding yeah. the color and the non-color. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we saw Dr. Frankenstein? This is before we knew who he was. Yeah. Um, we saw him come to the color world, the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. And he was colorful. He was. Yeah. He was colorful. Like he had color. But when Rubble Stiltskin went to Dr. Frankenstein's Dr. <laughs> Frankenstein's realm, he was the only one in color. Like he didn't conform mm. to the realm's lack of color. Yeah. I just thought that was weird. Now that could be because of who Rumple Stiltskin is. So we don't know like what Jefferson looked like, or we don't know what anyone else looked like when they went into their world. Because the only other thing we've seen in a land without color from the enchanted forest was a heart and the heart glowed red. Yeah. And uh, that, that was cool from back in the episode, the doctor, but uh, starting off, let's start with this extra realm. We didn't touch enchanted forest at all in this episode of once upon a time. It was all in this place. We're calling a land without color. Is it that the first time that we haven't in any time zone seen the enchanted forest? In um right because even in Tallahassee, which happened between um, Emma's past, present day Storybrooke, and a tiny bit in present day Storybrooke, and then present day Fairy Tale Land, it was still the Enchanted Forest, but it was present day Fairy Tale Land. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the first time we've not seen anything from Enchanted Forest. Period. Completely different world. Some people like to call it flashbacks. I don't. Sorry. But in in personal opinion. 
when they're they're all toasting, they say to the Frankenstein's. And so this is a whole family of Frankenstein's, which kind of helps the Frankenstein family. Yeah. Which kind of helps explain the thing, how many people consider Frankenstein to be the monster, but some of the stories are Frankenstein is the doctor who created the monster. And there are many different Frankenstein stories or stories that use Frankenstein and have a monsters a monster in them. There are. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, in the beginning of this, um, Gerhard is given this medal, and it's called the Silver Cross. And I did a little research, and it is actually a medal from Poland. It is called the Cross of Merit. There's a bronze cross of merit, which is actually what he was wearing. Then there's a silver cross of merit and a gold cross of merit. The, he was wearing, he referred to it as a silver cross, didn't he? Yeah. And you can tell there's a land without color. <laughs> I mean, the metal that they used was basically a, a, a cross of merit from Poland. And I'll have a link and screenshot or pictures in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 76. And any links or screenshots that we mentioned will be there too. So you can check that out. But this is definitely the medal he had. The medals that his father had were not quite so easy to figure out. Uh, We got a couple suggestions of some things, some medals from Austria, some medals from... um, I couldn't find any of through any of the medals from Poland and uh, some of these other things like um, in the chat room, Puzzled is saying Polish cross of uh, something or other, (laughs) some German sounding place. But uh, these are actual medals. That's basically the point I'm making. These are actual medals or very similar to actual medals. And for example, the Silver Cross, which got the most attention, uh, the Cross of Merit was around 1923 that it was established. And it's the highest civilian award in Poland. So... That makes me start wondering with the thing, like we'll mention in a little bit too, the earth reference and a kind of reference to that's your cross to bear, uh, a biblical kind of reference, maybe intentional, may not be, and the German that we see in this. And in fact, the uh, commission that Dr. Frankenstein was given by his father, uh, I asked some people on Twitter to translate that, some of our uh, Twitter friends who live in Germany and also emailed us some stuff. I received several translations of it, but it names actual German cities in it. Okay, that's getting so, confusing. Yeah, this causes me to think is this like a parallel dimension no, of Earth? Please. Or no. is this supposed to be like a past version of Earth. Well, wherever they are, it doesn't snow on Christmas. It rains. What? Oh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it was Christmas. Christmas. It yeah. was I Christmas. Totally, that's, that's why they right. got gifts. Like, it's so dead, I totally missed that it was Christmas would, somehow, yeah. which would, I shouldn't have missed. Which is actually the first time that a holiday, or second time that a holiday has been mentioned in Once Upon a Time. The first time was Valentine's Day. In the episode, I uh, can't remember the name of the episode, but it was the one with the awkward "I love you" card. <laughs> oh, gosh, so it, it's it's like all beat. this stuff that's happening and has happened, and 
the thing that is bugging me the most <laughs> is the land without color. That's the thing. Like, I guess it's, it is my Dr. Whale. <laughs> Everybody's like, who's Dr. Whale? And I just said, I don't really care that much. But I, I just sort of would like the whole premise of this land without color explained. Why is his name Whale? That has been confirmed. Uh, several people before we knew his identity confirmed. had theorized this, but it has been confirmed <laughs> by Kitsis and Horowitz that they named him Dr. Whale after James Whale, the director of the 1934 Frankenstein movie, oh. which is in black and white. And this, anytime we go to Frankenstein's world, it is a nod back to that original black and white uh, 1934 Frankenstein movie. Huh. So that's that's where that came from. That is truly where Whale comes from, is just that reference. Which... Okay. And some had picked that up on, uh, beforehand. They started putting these clues together and had figured that out. The commission that Dr. Frankenstein's father purchased for Victor was a commission to be a doctor, a camp physician. So Frankenstein was a doctor in his past life, and so he's still a doctor today. Mm-hmm. He didn't get his PhD from a curse or from an axe. Right. He is truly a doctor. <laughs> Bit of a fringe doctor, but he Bit is of a one. freak doctor. Yeah. Well, at okay. least he had noble intentions, even if he doesn't really mind if his monster brother creation just sort of pummels their father to death. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he was working on before Rubblestiltskin came along. Because he was working on something... That he was hoping would would um would make Frankenstein the name Frankenstein mean like it would be connected to life yeah like life everlasting he even said yeah it, that it, would be what the Frankenstein name would be known for and he that was the same uh, sentence actually when he mentioned Earth that that's how he wanted to be known on Earth and either around that same conversation or later was referenced that he was up to that point working on Petri dishes, just doing things, little experiments in Petri dishes. Yeah. And that's why he didn't have a collection of bodies nearby. They had to get a body. (laughs) Any volunteers? (laughs) So um, the commission thing, by the way, it was a common practice in Britain and many other countries for actually hundreds of years. That was basically a way of joining the military as an officer uh, someone would purchase a commission so it was kind of like being certified as a gentleman worthy of being an officer and the fact that you could afford the commission also indicated that clearly you had the resources of an educated person or a wealthy person and would be more intelligent whatever you want to consider but uh, again, that's a, a hint to something very Earth-like. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's all it's all very Earth-like, except for the perpetual black and white and storming. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the the actual commission we received a couple translations of it. That basically here's one translation from 
the word J or D I E J J on Twitter said uh, that translates to by the strength of the power and authority given to me by the Bundeskleiner and the commission of the <laughs> emperor. I hereby call thee field doctor. You are assigned to perform the duties of a field doctor with care and wisdom and to be an example to lower officer positions and soldiers. We oblige you to follow the given orders, to keep the order and discipline, and to execute future orders. And then there was a reference to where this was sent from, and it has a date, March 3rd, by the power of the emperor's orders given to me. So awesome that that was translated very similar to some of the other translations I received from other people who speak German or live in Germany. So thank you so much for the, that uh, listeners for being a great resource there. And the cemetery where Frankenstein later goes, one of our other German listeners, Tobias said that the name of the graveyard translates I'm not going to even try to pronounce the German word, but it translates to soldier cemetery cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) So Frankenstein was originally going to dig out a soldier, which now makes sense why there was an armed guard at the cemetery and why Frankenstein or why Victor said he was under orders and why he referenced that there was a man in uniform with him in a vague way that I didn't think too long about. That was just that whole thing was just confusing. I'm assuming due to editing, because I was like, this situation is so random. Like his brother just shows up, and I don't know why. And then there's there's an armed guard, and they're shouting about uniforms. And I was like, okay, I don't mm-hmm. know why this is happening. And why then didn't, he's just shot? Why didn't he just dig up someone normal? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. he wanted to bring someone back who he thought was worthy of bringing back. Mm-hmm. Maybe, um, yeah, someone that he knew was honorable, or or maybe it was just the closest cemetery. (laughs) He pulled out Siri and said, I need to dig up a body. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like? Here are the closest cemeteries. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, if you've got Siri on your iPhone, ask, say to it, I need to hide a body and see what Siri says. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so it, when Rumpelstiltskin came, I thought it was funny that he introduced himself as Rumpel von Stiltskin. I know that was weird. Just kind of trying to fit in, I think, with the whole appearance. Just like the first time that he showed up to Regina, remember the way that he was talking? He was talking. That's not very, how you say it. Yeah, he was talking very <laughs> dignified and. Um, just behaving in a very different way kind of similar here the way that he addresses himself and speaks with victor frankenstein is that he's wanting to appear as a a man of special position or status Mm. but why do you think rumple wants the knowledge of science because it's a it's a power that isn't common where he wants to be the most powerful. Mm. Um, to the question of why was he in a military, um, or a, or whatever cemetery, <laughs> Joanna from the chat room just said he um, he mentioned he wanted a healthy body. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So that so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does because mm-hmm. military people would be healthy. Yeah, they have to be out. well, and yeah. 
less um a little bit dead but (laughs) (laughs) well more likely that they didn't die of old age or sickness yeah as well true just from an injury so thanks joanna yeah that's that's a great point but rumple had something very interesting to say to victor about magic and science my interest is in how you do what you do you see where i come from we do things differently your land has witchcraft but it's feeble neglected stuff where i live it's strong and hearty but it cannot restore life so do you think rumpelstiltskin actually wants victor to be able to restore life Mm. or is it All just (laughs) because of Regina. (laughs) I think he was just manipulating people to get what he wanted. Because he, remember, he said he would do nothing and he would love nothing until Mm. he got Bay. So this was just a means to an end. And he was using Whale to to push Regina to Mm. doing what he wanted. But what would be the point of finding someone from another land instead of just creating a show? She, Mm. She might believe a stranger. Well, she, yeah, he asked him, asked Victor to put on a show. Yeah. Victor's benefit would be receiving a magic enchanted heart. What I want to know is how did Rumpelstiltskin know that this particular doctor in this particular realm wanted a heart or needed a heart? How did he know? Maybe he's heard, like maybe from Jefferson, who is a realm jumper. Maybe Jefferson has in his errands that he's run for Rumpelstiltskin before maybe Jefferson has has said hey you wouldn't believe it there's this guy in this other realm back there that's trying to bring someone back to life isn't it kind of silly and he doesn't (laughs) use magic he's using something else but Rumpelstiltskin did say that he wants knowledge to wield whatever it is that Frankenstein wields which is science why I don't think Rumpel wanted science for the curse. And it does seem like that's what Rumpel wants from Victor, not just Victor to help with the Regina thing. Well, I don't know if there's a specific reason or if he just finds it to be some form of power that he can have Mm -hmm. in his little contest with Cora and her family line. I'm thinking it could also be because maybe from what Rumpelstiltskin has heard, science can do the one thing that magic can't do. And that Rumpel reminds us many times that magic can't bring people back from the dead. Mm-hmm. But then you go back and look at the episode, the way, uh, the doctor, there was that whole exchange between Jefferson Rumpelstiltskin and Dr. Frankenstein about magic and science and how science needed magic and some of that stuff. But maybe it's just trying to become more powerful by gaining knowledge. Yeah. It's possible. Could be. I hope it's nothing like uh, Rumpel is expecting Bay to be dead and is going to need Victor's science in order to bring Bay back to life. I really doubt that. But that could be a theory out there. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Was there anything special about the watch that which one Gerhardt received? Yeah. It was their mother's watch, which 
was supposed to pass down through generations to the firstborn. Right, so, but as far as a function, because he was offering it to Victor, but he was like, keep it, I'll find another way, and I didn't know this oh. time so around. So who was younger? Who was younger, Gerhardt or... Gerhardt, yeah. Victor. Gerhardt was younger. So this time around, I didn't know if it was if it could serve some function in his work or if it was just, mm. if that was just the whole conversation all wrapped up. I think it was more an emotional thing and an indication of whose place, who who was more respected in the family. Because as you look at the family relationship, certainly the father favored Gerhardt more than Victor. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was just talking about two different things that they were talking about, mm-hmm. but I just thought because he was looking at the other watch in Storybrooke. Oh, oh I figured that out. I figured that out. Okay. Um, the watch face was cracked when, when Gerhardt died. Yeah. And the crack, the cracked face of the watch in Storybrooke reminded him Mm. of Gerhardt and the cracked watch when he died. I guess that's it. How rude to throw it in the water. I I know. It wasn't even his. (laughs) It's okay. He's got lots of other watches from dead people. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy isn't even dead. It was just a little confusing because I was like, I'm sure that's not the same watch, but are they trying to say that it's the same watch in a modern band? And at so, first, at it, first I thought that. I was at like, first, why I thought would the item be modernized when nothing else that came over was. And yeah, I don't at, know. At first, I thought that the pocket watch was turned into a wristwatch by because of the curse. It didn't really make sense to me either. But then I figured that out. Yeah, it's definitely not the same watch. It's a different face. They do both have Roman numerals. And they are the analog clocks that I hate that I have to stare at for five minutes to figure out the time. Oh my goodness. But, <laughs> the sky likes digital and yeah, everything. I like digital <laughs> stuff. But um but they are similar in the sense that they're both silver and they both have mm. Roman numerals. But that's about as far as it goes. The rest, so yeah. they were the, similar in appearance. Kind of. It was just but a little like weird. The actual the watch had other dials in it, too. Well, yeah, but the face, like you said, had Roman numerals, and it was kind of the same yeah, style. Yeah, and, and the fact that it was cracked. Uh, both of those things, like you're saying, Jenny. So it's reasonable that it would remind him of yeah. Gerhardt's watch. Yeah. And, you know, since we're on this topic, when he threw it into the water, he was planning to jump in himself. Like, which I'm letting you go, Gerhardt, and I'm coming <laughs> after you. <laughs> because not letting go... <laughs> And because a short jump, well... Freezing water. <laughs> a long walk off a short pier. Oh, uh, yeah, it was I cold. Guess. Yeah, you can see know. his breath. Real breath. It wasn't digitally added. Anyone who doesn't like that. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but back to a land without color. Oh, it's black and white. Um, oh, one uh, something else that Tobias sent here, an email to us. Is he said, um, so my thoughts about the the letter, um, the, the letter of commission, he said, my thoughts, especially on the letter, are that it proves that Dr. Frankenstein's black and white world is really some kind of parallel world or universe. He called it Earth, and real cities and places like Klagenfurt and Austria exist. So I guess that also London, Kansas, Paris, Transylvania, or the city of... Hamelin could also exist in either this or other worlds. Also, it's the second time in the show that we hear about an emperor. The first time was the episode before where Mulan mentioned she served in the emperor's army. 
Now we have Dr. Frankenstein who has served who has to serve as army doctor in the emperor's army. So thank you, Tobias, for sending that. And he sent more too. We just uh, can't, don't have time to get into it at the moment. But yep. parallel world. Or could, or, it, could it just be like way back in the past, like when, when Dr. Frankenstein story, like when the story actually took place in the, the fiction novel thing. Possibly, but I I really be... don't want to accept time travel. Time travel. Well, well, I'm sorry, I might <laughs> oh, have misunderstood. I guess, that, I guess that would involve time travel. And this is a world with magic, but the magic in that world is witchcraft, and it's as Rumpelstiltskin said, it was uh, uh, I forget how he addressed it, but it was basically thrown aside and mistreated. But in Enchanted Forest, magic is strong. So it wouldn't necessarily involve time travel if if there if if when Rumpelstiltskin because you know that's all in the past when Rumpelstiltskin was kind of encouraging Regina to to um, move towards someday enacting the curse. All right, because that's like way back in the past in enchant in the enchanted forest. Mm. So maybe. Maybe he didn't have to time travel at all. Maybe he just needed to um, jump realms to make it to um, Earth. And maybe that it was black and white kind of communicates that it's old. And it could just be a different Earth, in a sense. Like, just another place where they call it Earth. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if at some point in Enchanted Forest they call it Earth Mm -hmm. as well. But so far, they've only said in this land, in this realm, those kind of things. (laughs) Whatever. Well, moving on. (laughs) Victor let Gerhardt, or zombie Gerhardt, that is, kill his father. He just stood by and very gently, just kind of patiently let him do his work and just then he Let him do his work, meaning (laughs) let him... Beat his father. Yeah, I have a problem with his with that. Don't a lot of people have, like, uh, I don't know, parents who are not so ideal? I don't really think that many people are so ready to just kill people or let people in their lives be killed because mm. they're horrible people. Well. We seem to see that a lot. Well, it's in stories. I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently, to be a little like... apparently, Frankenstein Sr. had a really bad relationship with Frankenstein Jr. Oh, apparently. yeah, definitely. And, I, and I'm not sure that every parent we meet on the show really has to die. <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> Red's mom is dead the first episode we see her, which I, I wasn't mourning that loss too much, but... I don't, well, or or Frankenstein's father. He was kind of horrible. But it, it's just funny that all their parents die. And sometimes <laughs> by their hand or it's something they could have prevented. And yeah. You're yeah. mentioning. Or um, they kill their kids. I don't know. <laughs> you're When you just mentioned um, Red's mother, it made me think of, of kind of how in Storybrooke, like when she was when when um Ruby was talking to Dr. Whale on the pier about not wanting to remember who they were 
It kind of made me think they're kind of villains in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're kind of villains and they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to remember my life. (laughs) So it kind of was like they're villains, but they're not. Well, and like we see that everything that happens in this episode and Victor's past is terrible things. So yeah, yeah, he, he realizes, yes, this is a chance for him to start over because I think that's really how this episode was set up is helping us to see that, yes, for many people, the curse was actually a blessing because they're getting to start over. Like we've seen with Ruby, uh, as that's why she and Whale had that connection is because they're both starting over and they're better off now than they were before. And this episode then focused on Dr. Whale or Frankenstein's background, showing the terrible things that he came from kind of similar to uh, TV show lost where we see that a lot of those characters were made better because of the events that happened with the Island Mm -hmm. or that their, their lives were changed for the good. The ones that lived anyway, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) um but uh gerhardt is not dead at the end of this episode Mm -mm. so i I feel so bad for him he's living in captivity and he wants to die yeah well he's he's a soldier Mm -hmm. and so the part of his brain that's still thinking is realizing i am a threat to others I should be killed. I don't want to kill anyone else. It could be that. And it also could be my life stinks right now. I'm, I'm in a cell and I'm half monster. (laughs) What kind of life is that? Well, I think it was a sense of honor, the way that he was accepting and trying to welcome the death. It was his sense of honor and protection that he didn't like. He had just attacked Victor just before that happened. And he realized I'm out of control, kind of. But I I wonder, is the story finished here? Because remember in the episode, The Doctor, Dr. Whale said that the I whole remember. thing with his brother ended badly. Well, is this the ending? Dr. Whale had gone to Regina and said, um, I want to go back to my brother. And Regina said, the curse only brought the living. But she uh, said that in kind of an insulting way. So she may have meant that Dr. Whale was stolen from his brother. So his brother, here's my theory, is his brother is still, quote, alive, unquote, back in this land without color. And Dr. Whale does actually want to get back to him to try to help him, to try to heal him, and to t- turn him back into a normal person oh, again. so you're saying he might have some unfinished business back in his realm. Right. And... We've seen the end of the story so far, but the story doesn't end completely before the curse. So why did he try again with Daniel, knowing what happens? I think he was just trying to, you know... At the time, I think I was under the impression that... He was trying to get on Regina's good side. Yeah. Yeah. That That is. That's what he said. He said uh, something like, I'd hoped that if I brought Daniel back, that you would return me to my land. I think I'm just going back to part... I mean, a more advanced, but still my original impression of Dr. Whale, which is, well, basically idiot. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. He's just weird. (laughs) And And he doesn't learn from his mistakes very well. 
No. At all. Well... He got his arm ripped off. Scientists are the types that if they make a little mistake... They want to try again and, and make adjust, a bigger mistake and adjust something so that they can keep trying, adjusting, making tiny little adjustments here and there. Test. What did he adjust with Daniel? He did the exact same thing and got a worse result. <laughs> well, magic works differently. Yeah, I guess. Storybrook. And well. also, Daniel didn't have all the scars and cuts and everything that Gerhart had. To well. Have. All right, then. <laughs> so they did a bit more patchwork on Gerhardt. So he was a more intact-looking, horrible monster bent on killing. Well, Gerhardt yeah, got much. a little bit more, like... I couldn't figure out why his hand was all cut up. His hand was fine. His hand, his face. He was experimented on. Because they was. didn't get it the first time. <laughs> or, or it might have been that... Is the heart Dr. here? No, <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein's whole system might have been that he needed to put things in certain places, yeah. tweak nerves or run wires or... Or maybe he just kind of blew up with all the uh, electricity that was going through him. <laughs> and he just kind of had to stitch him back together. So now, he had those stitches before they ran the first experiment on his brother. Yeah, it was... Do you know that was okay. the first experiment? <laughs> well, well, that's they... the one where they... That's the one where they fried his Kentucky heart. fried heart. Yeah. Not much time had passed. Yeah. Pretty clearly. It's, I think, I think, I think they had been experimenting right. him on him beforehand because um, he didn't have those. Scars. Actually, no, they couldn't have because what Victor's father said is you were seen bringing a body into this house. Yeah, but he didn't so say that, when. No, but seems to imply that <laughs> it wasn't same like day. a week ago. I heard you may have brought a body in here also. <laughs> I haven't seen your brother in a while. <laughs> yeah. Can you help me with either? Oh, yeah, okay. Exactly. You know what I want to know? Right. Why were Gerhardt's fingernails long? Because <laughs> they weren't that way when he died. It's a black and white world thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That they could indicate long. some more time. I didn't even notice that. At some point. Yeah, but he was dead. Yeah. His fingernails would not have grown. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else here to say about... Dr. Wales passed in a land without color before we move on. Uh, nope. That's it for me. I want to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Simul TV. You've got to check them out. You've, you hear me talk about them a lot because they're sponsoring one's podcast and we really appreciate their sponsorship. But the reason they're sponsoring is because I believe this is a service that you will really like. It's awesome. It allows you to do picture in picture viewing of TV shows, movies, sports, where you can watch entertainment along with your family or friends. They can be on the same screen so you can see each other as these things are going on. It's really awesome. You've got to check it out. Go to oncepodcast.com slash simultv. That's S-I-M-U-L-T-V. It allows you to see picture in picture or you can have chat messages between any device with a browser. So that's your tablets, your smartphones, your smart TVs, your computers, even some of these refrigerators. You could have something on a refrigerator where it has the tablet and the uh, browser built into the refrigerator. You could do a video conferencing while you're watching something. This is great because it allows you to see how your friends or family cheer over their favorite sports team, or you can see their jaw dropping at that pivotal moment in a TV show, or enjoy those more special times together, like with uh, family and learning things together. A father on the other side of the world can watch a video with his daughter and 
teach her about things in the video. So it's a great way to connect with your family, friends while you're watching things. It's so much like watching in the same living room. You've got to check it out. Oncepodcast.com slash simultv. That's for simultaneous television. You've got to check this out to test drive the next evolution in entertainment. It is free to try, and I really recommend that you try it. I think you'll really like it. So go to oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. That's oncepodcast.com slash TV. And thank you so much, Simultv, for your support. We really appreciate it, and I really hope that many of you, our listeners, check out Simultv from oncepodcast.com slash Simultv. Now let's step into a land with color, but without magic. Well, no longer. Storybrook. You know, speaking of, since Storybrooke now has magic, can the hat easily travel between worlds if we get a working hat? But Storybrooke starts out right where the last episode left off. With insanely fast response from emergency responders (laughs) who were never called somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Hook is there because he wanted to hurt Rumpel. And he's even taunting Rumpel, or Gold, saying that, um, he. well, he said to Emma, you should have seen his face, his true love gone in an instant. And gone in almost a worse way than death. Well, I don't know. that. Some people might say it's a, a worse loss than death because the person is still there, but... Nah, he has. They hope. are, in a sense, mentally gone. Do you think he keeps Rumpel trying stuff? Hope? Yeah, so he has to have some hope. And throughout this episode, it's oh, so heartbreaking to see the pain on his face, to see almost it looks like his fear of losing Bell, and everything that he tries just just fails over and over, and. You know, I'm sure many Rumbell fans out there were crying at this episode. And uh, and we'll talk more about some of those specific scenes. I love, I was like, are you insane? He's like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> he just admits it. Also, murder is a bad first impression, <laughs> <laughs> which I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's a rule I live by. <laughs> yes. Don't murder around people you just met. Let them get to know you before you murder in their presence well emma isn't really concerned for hook's safety i mean well not quite emma does a couple things related to hook when the ambulance got there she said uh don't worry about him referring to hook (laughs) Mm -hmm. she said take care of this guy first uh or get him later but then when they got to the hospital emma told the nurses to hide hook did you catch that she said, just find a room and hide him. Oh. Were they, was she, I thought she was talking about the guy, not Hook. No, they were talking about, she was talking about Hook. Because Hook, it, she was one. right at Hook and she was talking to the nurse that was pushing or there with Oh, Hook's I know hug. why. Robo Silkin was want, wanted to kill him. Yes. That's why. Exactly. And Emma... I don't think Emma has an attachment to Hook necessarily. She's just a do-gooder. She 
Right. She knew that was the right thing to do. Right. She doesn't want to see Hook just mercilessly killed out of revenge. She makes a good sheriff considering this is the first time she's ever been a sheriff before. <laughs> yeah. I guess but, she knows about law enforcement somewhat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then when the Gold's first attempt at trying to wake up Belle, when he goes and kisses her, mm-hmm. couple things here. Belle seemed like she was smiling at first before she opened her eyes, just barely smiling. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's from? Um, Maybe she was kiss. having a good dream. <laughs> Are you I'm, talking about that part? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm wondering if maybe, and this is a stretch, I know, but maybe Belle in her subconscious while she's dreaming knew who Rumpelstiltskin was, knew he was kissing her. Or maybe, like Jeremy said, she's just like, ooh, a kiss. (laughs) And then wakes up and Ah! it's like, ah, this freaky guy who did something weird with his hands and now I'm healed. Yeah. By the way. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Yeah, because she saw him use magic, and she's afraid of him now. And, yeah. I mean, she's creeped out by him. Yeah, and really, this guy's, to her, this guy's a creep. Because, he's being clingy. That's mm-hmm. what he's being to yeah. her. He's being clingy. And, and creepy. He's got a good reason, but she's all like, ah, I don't know you. Why are you Why are you being so clingy? <laughs> yeah. And also, her, why are you talking about magic? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird, too. And, and he's also much older than she is. I mean, well, a lot older, but he looks just looks much older. You know what I thought when I saw him kiss her? What? I thought, what is he doing? He's going to break his curse as the Dark One by doing that. Oh, yes. So, hmm. so in um in Storybook, is he not truly under the curse of the Dark One in Storybook? He doesn't look like the Dark One. Right. So he's not completely... You know, well, the dark one. He's an Instagram. ordinary man who has the powers of the dark one. Yeah. But what's the question? But, like, why Why did he do that? Because when Belle tried to kiss him, she he, he was in risk of having the dark one taken yeah, away from him. I. So why wasn't he worried this time? Well, they've kissed in Storybrooke before, right? Yeah, they um, have. But that was before magic, right? No. No, that was after. Because right. she didn't meet him until just before the curse. Because there wasn't time for all that yeah, until oh. later. And yeah. they kissed right after the curse. Remember the slobbery kiss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did you remind us? I knew Jenny would remember exactly the scene when Yuck. I referred to it that way. <laughs> That was in the episode. They needed a retake of that. <laughs> Love not, spittle. Not as, the best. As Bell Nicholson Moving said on. in the chat room. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, speaking of the chat room, we do these episodes live on Wednesday evenings at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. That's GMT minus five. Um, we're going to skip next week, which will be January the 30th. But we will release an episode, and we're really excited about this, and you may be hearing this in time, but on Thursday, January 24th at noon Eastern Standard Time, the time changed slightly, but at noon Eastern Standard Time, we're going to talk to Raphael Sabarge, who plays Jiminy Cricket. So we're going to get about a half hour with him, and we've got a bunch of questions to try and ask him, so we need to whittle it down to uh, about a cricket's worth of questions. I had a funny thought. Yes. What if we all just say, 
Hello, bug. <laughs> that would be awful. That would be awful. That would not be the way to talk to bug. But you're going to We will release that as a podcast episode. So if you're subscribed to the podcast, you'll automatically receive that as a download. You can go to oncepodcast.com to subscribe if you're not already. And that will be episode 77. But if you're hearing this in time, you can join us when we do that live. Otherwise, watch for the download uh, probably a couple or a few days after we record that episode. So check that all out at oncepodcast.com, and you can join us live when we record the show at oncepodcast.com slash live. Now, um, something else, though, to point out about this kiss scene, not the slobbery one, but the one in the hospital, is it didn't work, and I have to question, might it have worked? Remember in the episode Heart of Darkness, Charming kissed Snow White. Phoenix in the chat room just said that. (laughs) They said, I'll, I'll let you finish, but I, I know that you guys are yeah. thinking the same thing. Um, Snow White did not know who Charming was, so Snow White didn't have true love for Charming. Exactly. So true love's kiss has to be mutual. Mm-hmm. We talked about that also with Aurora and Philip, and so Philip must have had true love for Aurora, right. not for Milan at all, in order Good for the job, kiss to Phillip. work. Well, and we saw it with dark snow as some called her when she had forgotten prince charming on purpose with rumple's help oh yeah that's what i just said okay yeah so when in that was in heart of darkness when they had the kiss Mm -hmm. it was only when she realized that charming was willing to die for her and she recognized his love and that made some little spark yeah some little spark of true love in her so that then when she kissed him back they both had a kiss of pretty much true love then the spell was broken so i figure basically we're having possibly one scenario except that he's leaving we're having beauty and the beast all over again yeah and i think that's what's going to happen he will have to win her heart back and when he does if he does there's another explanation of what could happen but we'll get into that later Um, if he wins her heart back when they have that kiss of true love it will be a moment that will make everybody cry <laughs> because then she'll probably be suddenly Rumpelstiltskin. I remember, I mean, she very similar to what she said back in the episode of Land Without Magic, the season one finale. Mm. But it'll be a lot more emotional this time that uh, they'll kiss. That's one idea of how it might go. There's another idea that I'll share from one of our listeners in a little bit. But. Hook did this whole thing because Belle was where Rumpelstiltskin keeps his heart. Yeah, that line made me think, I wonder if he knows where Cora keeps her heart, <laughs> since he was referring to Belle as where Rumpelstiltskin keeps his heart. It could be in Regina. It could be because she is... That's weird and she is, wrong. Yeah, it's really spooky. <laughs> I don't think that's... I don't think Rumpelstiltskin, like, really keeps his heart in Belle, like, literally. No. Right. That was just a figure of speech. But wouldn't that be creepy if Cora's heart was in Regina? Mm. People have been suggesting for a while that she keeps it in that spell book. I have been... How would she do that? It would be squashed. Well, I have no idea. Magic. How would she take her heart out at like, all and still live? <laughs> like but, um, dried roses, pressed roses, <laughs> yes. pressed heart. All of a sudden, I'm thinking that if they did it how it should have ended for at least part of once, it would have been <laughs> Regina actually putting the book in the fire and Cora just drops dead somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it would have changed a lot. 
But I uh, see. I my working theory is that Cora is not so much after Regina as something else, and I had forgotten this. But when we first saw Cora in Regina's house, looking around, mm-hmm. I thought she was looking for the spell book, and I wasn't even thinking about her heart. I don't know. Um, I think she was looking for some way to get to Regina. Well, I think she to was find too. Her and then to figure out what, how she could connect with Regina. I'm just not sure that Regina is truly her highest priority. If I may make a veiled loft yeah, reference. Probably not. Cert- certainly a high priority, but probably not the only one <laughs> i think it's kind of a, a darth vader and luke sort of thing of come let's rule the galaxy together sort of thing cora wants regina to rule with her in some magical power which we've got a great email they'll get to in a little bit about that uh, what might happen in storybook soon but i want to step back to um, talking about this outsider now greg mendel And the name Greg Mendel is also the name of a scientist, uh, or yeah, of a scientist. This email came in from Jennifer, says, Hey guys, love the podcast. I had an observation from last night's episode concerning the outsider Greg Mendel. Gregory Mendel was a scientist who lived in the 1800s who became famous for developing the laws of Mendelian inheritance. These laws demonstrated how genetic traits can be passed through generations and discovered how traits could be dominant or recessive using pea plants. Gregory Mendel is also known as the father of modern genetics. I don't know if this is significant, but the writers rarely name characters without a reason, so I thought it was interesting. Thanks for the amazing podcast. I love listening to it with my friends. From Jennifer. Great research, Jennifer. I think there's, there is a connection here. If the hint is genetics... Remember, they named August Wayne Booth after Wayne Booth, who was the guy who coined the phrase um, unreliable narrator, I believe was the phrase. What? But Have I heard this before? (laughs) Yeah, we talked about it back then. Okay, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, And if they chose the name Gregory Mendel, I mean, the, the point they were making in naming August Wayne Booth that is that, hey, look, he's a writer, yes, but he's unreliable. He lies. That was the point they were trying to make with the name. So here, I think it's a very simple point they're trying to make with the name is genetics. I think that's a great point because genetics come into play here. Emma was the product of true love. The genetics that passed through and somehow she's magical. Henry, maybe? Being a genetic, genetical offspring of Emma and possibly Belfire, I mean, you know that's the whole is Neil Belfire or is Neil well, someone else? Well, we all know how genetics work, so I'm not sure that would be the point too much. I, I've I've heard people talking about Mendel, and I don't understand any connection yet. Mm. I assume maybe we will figure that out. It could also be a thing with 
wanting to study genetics to try to reproduce the magic that people are able to do. So it could be a hint that this guy is bad news and he does want to study everyone like Grumpy said, E.T., Splash, which, by the way, 1980s movies. Okay. Not recent movies. He referred to 1980s movies and Star Wars, uh, the theme song that Gregory Mendel's phone That makes more sense. An early song. I sort of imagine them with memories of pop culture, but like like they've never actually seen the movies. They just think they have. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The same way that they remember their own stories. Maybe the 28 years happened in, did you say, 80s? Well, 80s it movies? started in, yeah, it started in the 80s or maybe, so. Maybe the, t- the maybe, um, storybook was created in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is that, So that's how... When they refer to these movies, they're referring to movies that Regina somehow like magically brought into Storybrooke and then kind of locked Storybrooke, that that's all the entertainment that's in there is what was up to that point. Uh, Because even Snow White or Mary Margaret was familiar with Dr. Frankenstein and certain interpretations of Dr. Frankenstein. She was familiar with that story, which isn't a fairy tale. She knew that story because of her Storybrooke self not her fairy tale self but some interesting things about gregory mendel uh, random little things here you know that i like going in and getting these screenshots and looking for tiny tiny little details emma unlocked his phone which by the way is an android powered phone (laughs) and unlocked his phone with a code and i'm not exactly sure what the order is but the numbers that were used were one six seven zero you can put that in any order you want speaking of the code i found it interesting that ruby instantly knew that a four digit pin could have ten thousand variations mary margaret exaggerated maybe she's just really good at math yeah people who have not probably entered that many codes in their lives I mean, maybe they remember it just like they remember 80s movies. This is like the first smartphone that's been on this show, though. I would have, I w- had I thought about it, I would have to expect them to look at it and be like, what is this? They it all have flip phones. Could also be a Blackberry. Well, I, I mean, Emma, Emma's modern and she's the one doing all this stuff. Yeah, well, they were messing with it before she mm-hmm. came out of the hospital room. Well, they weren't familiar with things like Find My Phone or phone tracking services. Um, some interesting things also on his phone. There's a call log and two screens of call log, but all of the area codes on this call history are Pennsylvania area codes. He has Pennsylvania license plates. There, and the first screen of this call history, the area codes are sequential. So 215-267-412-484-570-6100-717-724-814. They're sequential. But then, and he's got a few missed calls. Yeah. <laughs> then the, um, the next screen, though, they're a bit more random, but same kind of area codes. And he's got pictures of himself with some kind of little statue. I can't quite recognize it because it's slightly clipped. But I'll have screenshots of these in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 76. Jeremy, do you recognize that statue? Maybe, but and I'll look 
some things up. The pictures of himself uh, at tourist locations along New England and tweets of his food. And some of the messages he tweeted were, Delicious meal once again. The prime rib was cooked perfectly. I'll be back to this restaurant. Hashtag best prime rib ever. (laughs) And yeah, he tweets pictures of his food and also filet mignon. (laughs) So this guy, like Emma said, seems to be a normal kind of guy from Pennsylvania, only seems to call Pennsylvania phone numbers. But how did he get to Storybrooke? And why? If he's got a smartphone... Well, um, do his pictures kind of lead you to believe that he's like on his way to somewhere and he just happened to be in the area? That's why I'm kind of thinking that he's just exploring. Maybe he enjoys going along the coastline and trying uh, the... Uh, what, what did that fisherman Bucky said? Guy. New England's... Pescatarian delights. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what he's doing, going around and just enjoying life and touring. And he's well, got what a did Emma somewhere. call him? A normal, average Joe. No, 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 no. Like she said that he was like a normal. It, it kind of sounded like, like he was one of those like people that travels in a certain area. Oh, mm, she said something like I didn't that. Quite get that. It, she did say average Joe, and then she corrected herself and said something like. I know what line you're talking about. It wasn't that one. Okay. It was like somebody who's just like a normal guy who's traveling up Mm -hmm. the... I wish I could remember that line. Yeah. Hmm. Um, But Ruby does point out that the barrier seems to be gone. So, whatever's kept random people from stumbling into Storybook for the last 28 years... It's gone. Anyone could drive in. Why are my instincts telling me that's a bad thing? Because you've seen E.T. or Splash or any other movie where they find something magical and study it to death. Look <laughs> what they do to a werewolf. Yes, those nice pop culture references. We've gotten a theory from one of our listeners that basically suggested that maybe Rumpel's using magic at the edge of Storybrooke caused a rip that made Storybrooke findable. I th- I think the curse was making it not findable, and now the curse is broken. Right. Yeah. I don't probably don't need to overthink it too much. Yeah. Um, I for a moment thought maybe Greg didn't see inside of the Storybrooke lines while he was driving down that road, and just mm. suddenly he passed the border, and boom, there's Hook. Oh, interesting. But he was swerving as he got closer, so maybe he was actually texting, or maybe he saw. Rumpel used magic and went to text. Well, we won't someone. really find out until the next episode. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out more about him uh, for sure. Why do you suppose Cora calls herself a little bird? Oh, that thing. She said the crocodile snaps at the little bird. That's a reference to symbiosis. Um, symbiotic relationship, which you might be familiar with, is where two creatures of completely different species depend on each other or help each other in some way. There are even some kind of symbiotic relationships where they couldn't survive without the other's help. This is a reference to, there's a crocodile in, um, I can't remember the What does the bird do for the crocodile? The bird, the crocodile goes up to this bird, opens its mouth, keeps its mouth open, and the bird goes in and picks 
uh, it's like a tooth cleaner, a little oh, dentist bird sort of that goes in and so really cleans the teeth of the bird. That of the, the, the crocodile. crocodile. You think that's really what she was referencing? I think so, because well, how does Rumpelstiltskin depend on Cora? Well, it's. I think it might be a hint that here are two people of completely different walks that in some way help each other when they could kill each other. Um, that's part wow. of one. That's one type of symbiotic relationship is where you would think like crocodile would just chomp down on the bird and free lunch, but yeah. no, it doesn't. But um, and here, Rumple could just kill Cora, but he doesn't. So Cora suited some purpose to him, the crocodile. Interesting. And now she's saying, "Well, you're snapping on the little bird who's been helping you." So she just wants to help him, and that was her. That was the, her way of saying it. She wants to help him, and he's just snapping at her. Right. And in some way, she just wants to help him. He's been helping her because the symbiotic relationship, in the case of the bird, well, the bird eats what yeah, it finds. So he's it, feeding her. Yeah. She's cleaning his teeth. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> the bird is actually kind of referred to as the toothpick bird. Okay. Interesting. I, I didn't do that. Or, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I, I made that myself. I put that note <laughs> You made up a term and then told us as fact. Yeah, that was my subject heading in my notes. Note to self. We'll just call you Booth. <laughs> just kidding. So that scene then when Cora and Rumpel are talking together, a lot of weird things happen in that scene. A lot of weird things. Like the kiss. Yeah. That's one kiss. Thing. And well, before the kiss, Cora says something that um, you can't quite see the emotion. I mean, you can't hear the emotion quite, but I'll play this and remind you what happened. I want you to find the one person in this universe who might still love you. After all, I'm doing the same thing. The look she has when she says that almost seems as if she's implying I want to find the one person in the universe who will love me since you won't. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. And the way that she talks to him softly like that and stuff and the the kiss. (laughs) We could have a screenshot of that in the show notes. That's all right. (laughs) I did get a screenshot of the kiss. I didn't think it was. I just thought it was weird. I mean, it's the because I mean, this is Cora we're talking about. Oh, did you notice the box? Everybody has really nice boxes. I know. I thought the box was very similar to <laughs> yeah, August. Yeah, it was. Actually, it's like two of his stacked on top of each yeah, other. I, I looked. The handles are different. Yeah. The wood color is different. The size, of course, is different. Almost like they were made by the same prop person. Well, I was thinking that they're different enough that they don't look like they're at all related. Okay. I thought they... I mean, except for the well, little similar corner. Style. I've never seen anyone carry a box like that. Yeah, they're that. all wooden box. Don't yeah, they have cardboard? <laughs> oh, <laughs> cardboard there. <laughs> I, I see what you mean, though. Uh, that's fine. The globe was obviously the more interesting part of that scene, most likely. Yeah. And what was interesting was that he, he tacks on, if this one truly is it... Yeah. Is that why he had all those globes? Was he looking for a specific enchanted globe that would tell him where to find his son 
Could be. Yeah. Um, because we had noticed before that he had, what, three or four globes? Uh, they were all over for yeah. at least a couple of scenes. Yeah, they're in the shop. The spindle thing was kind of a nice touch, mm-hmm. which probably, or possibly, I should say, indicates in some way, because of what they've said about spindles before, that this thing is very old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they true. don't <laughs> apparently use spindles anymore. They have more modern... <laughs> Uh, not technology <laughs> i don't mm. know it yeah it might have been something that rumple gave cora a long time ago because cora called him master and it's obvious we already knew that rumple trained cora and she reminds us of that in here but something else cora said very interesting in this scene was that she implied that she doesn't have a reason to cheat gold or Rumpelstiltskin, and he said, any more. So that must mean that at some point she did have a reason to cheat him, or he felt like she cheated him. I'm thinking this whole Miller's daughter thing. Mm. Because the Miller's daughter, we already know Cora was the Miller's daughter. We just don't know how that played out yet. We do. Right. Yeah. Uh, back in the episode, the stable boy, Daniel said oh, okay. she herself was the um, daughter of a miller or a miller's daughter, something like that. Mm. And uh, she refers to sacrifices that she had to make. So I, I think that maybe this whole thing about maybe having a reason for cheating in the past was some way related to a deal over Regina that she broke. Or cheated on Rumpel in Maybe. some way. That would make sense. I should also throw in that I think we discussed some because of the kiss as whether Rumpel might be Regina's father, but I don't think so. Just based on the way they talk hmm. and the complete lack of connection or even expectation of a connection between rumple and regina it's i'm looking for my daughter you're looking for your son there was no Mm. more to it than that well we we did get an email in from elizabeth maybe connecting some dots here elizabeth said i've been thinking uh of what was implied during this episode if regina does turn out to be rumple stiltskin's daughter could that be why regina didn't die when she absorbed the energy at the well that was supposed to kill Cora to stop her from coming over to Storybrooke? I mean, that energy was supposed to kill anything, right? Mm. Could Regina also be immortal if she does turn out to be the Dark One's daughter? Can you imagine the implications if that were true? Regina could be more powerful than Rumpel since his weakness is his dagger, but Regina would have no weakness. Love your podcast from Elizabeth. Well... I didn't really get that out of that scene. I think it just about did kill her. And the writers have said that she's just powerful. She didn't absorb it. She interrupted it. She redirected it. Yeah. Kitsis and Horowitz said that actually in the official podcast Mm -hmm. for the episode, The Outsider, I believe. Someone had asked a very similar question. Why didn't Mm -hmm. she die? And they said, yeah, that she basically redirected it or turned it off kind of. Exactly. So, um, when Cora goes through Regina's house, the scene right after that is Cora disguised as Henry going to the vault. 
How did Cora know about the vault? That's what I wanted to know. I, I mean, it made sense for Henry, but when it wasn't Henry, and maybe she was using that thing that she found in the house. Well, and... she traded. She traded Bay for Regina, so maybe, maybe Gold told Cora where Regina was. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, because Rumple probably knows, knowing Regina as well as he does, he probably knows where Regina would have gone or would have hidden and has herself. she always had that place? The mirror hasn't always been there in the vault. Oh, Because okay. that is the area just to the right of the stairway coming down. So the way it works is you go down the stairway in the vault. Straight ahead are all of the drawers with the hearts. To the left was the vault where Regina and Jefferson used the hat and all of the trinkets and also the Agrabah Viper there to the left in that room with the shelves and such and the couple weird statues to the right of the stairway. All we've seen before was a brick wall and what looked like there could maybe be another room just from a hallway or something, but we never quite saw it. Well, now there's a mirror there. I'll tell you what happened. Yes. Magic. (laughs) She made the room with magic (laughs) and she put the mirror there so that it would be convenient for her to look and see Who's in her vault if someone ever comes in her vault? Actually, I think the vault, that room, might have existed before then. It's filled with mirrors. And her old dresses, apparently. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was really hard to see because, of course, they're all black. And they you were in the background. Dresses? Yeah, there are a lot of dresses around the dresses. room. Um, mirrors, dresses, and this white apple tree in the middle of the room the fake <laughs> apple tree thing but the dresses look like dresses she's worn as the evil queen very hard to tell though because like i said they're dark so you can't see the detail and they're in the background so they're a bit blurry but uh definitely looks like those dresses and the all of the mirrors in the room remind me of the hallway that she had at king leopold's king leopold's castle the hallway that was filled with mirrors too I'm sure some of those mirrors are probably the same as well. So some some odd possible connections there uh, in the that little room. But did you the first time we watched this? Did you think that was Cor as Henry? I did. No, I knew it. I was like, "That's it. That's Cor. I know it." It's I Cor. I actually it's fell for it. it at first. I thought Henry knows about the vault. He probably assumes that's where Regina went. So why doesn't Henry just say, as he's looking for Regina, why didn't he say something like, uh, they know you didn't do it. Archie's back. He's okay. Yeah, but I did expect him to be looking for her. So I didn't, I believed it. Mm-hmm. I, I was fooled the first time. So good job, Jenny, for well, it was, suspecting it. It was smart of her to go as Henry because Henry's the only person she would open the door for. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, (laughs) their conversation was very much sounded like Regina was being the parent and telling Cora, you march right back there and tell them what you did. (laughs) Like, uh, I think it was our friends Jeff and Colleen Roney at um, Once Upon a Time (laughs) Podcast dot com. I think they referred to it as it's like when your kid breaks the window of the neighbors next door. Then the mother says, you march over there and you apologize and tell them what you did. (laughs) Take ownership of it. And um, Emma, Henry, and the two idiots. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Wake them up. Emma and Henry and the two idiots, and you can tell them how you 
lied. And she's not even... It's it's funny because it's like her bitterness is still there. Yeah. It wouldn't... Which is much better than her just suddenly being like, Oh, I had dedicated my life to all this evil stuff, but I'm better now. Yeah. Of course it would still be there. She's not even necessarily blaming them for suspecting her or thinking she's guilty, but she still calls them idiots and, mm-hmm. and the cricket. And- <laughs> yeah, bug. And, and by the way, second time... Regina has called Emma by her first name. Oh yeah. I think that's a sign that I think I think um I think when she stops doing that it'll be a sign that she's mm-hmm. she's falling back to the evil side. Hardening again. Yeah. yeah. Like gold is doing without Bell. <laughs> Did you notice the building that um Regina parked in front of while she and Cora were talking in the mm-hmm. car? The rabbit hole. My sister actually pointed that out to me <laughs> after the first time she watched it at uh-huh. home. I talked to her and she was like, did you notice the rabbit hole? <laughs> and awesome. there, there were like a couple of nods to Alice in Wonderland, like pocket watch and the rabbit hole. So, oh, oh, and, and Cora's from Wonderland. Hmm. So that makes three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. She's the queen of hearts. Um, we've seen the sign for the rabbit hole. Before I can't remember which episode it was, but in the episode Skin Deep, they were in the rabbit hole where they had girls' night was in the rabbit hole, and then where um, where Sean came and proposed to Ashley or Cinderella, that was in the rabbit hole, a very different place, you know, from the normal diner that everyone else meets in. But the rabbit hole was that same parking spot where Regina and Cora parked was also the same spot where um, Spencer's car was when Ruby and David found that he had the axe and Ruby's cloak. Or not Ruby, but um, Granny and David found the axe and Ruby's cloak inside of Spencer's car back in the episode uh, about Ruby. Mm-hmm. But um, moving back just a little bit, speaking of Ruby, uh, the scene when Ruby finds Dr. Whale... And saves them from jumping into the river. <laughs> she, she could have done an It's a Wonderful Life thing and jumped in first so he would jump in and save her. <laughs> Clarence! <laughs> yeah. But uh, she did that whole thing just like the other wolves did as they were people of the super quick walking or running. Running. Yeah. So she, she grabbed him, saved him from uh, jumping in. And they have this little heart-to-heart in which she admits... And I'm the werewolf. The werewolf. I ate my boyfriend. <laughs> That's, yeah. So they have, they're both monsters in a sense. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Whale seems like he's realizing that science or his kind of science has a price too. And he says that, that Rumple says that gold that magic has a price and he says that he thinks science does too so this whole episode with the the fairy tale land or whatever we're calling it land without magic is focusing on his struggle of his failures and his pursuit and now in fairy tale land he's remembering those things kind of and he doesn't feel like he's qualified to save a guy's life and doesn't want <laughs> it to end badly and for the previous sentence, 
Land without magic equals land without color. Oh, and yes, fairy tale land you. equals storybook. <laughs> uh, in that sense, when I said fairy tale land, I did mean land oh. without color. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for correcting me. Sure. Though. Something like that. You yeah. know what we're saying. Yeah, that's right. Our, Regina, our, <laughs> <laughs> our Regina's know exactly what we're saying. <laughs> And by Regina's, I mean our listeners. <laughs> Which, speaking of our listeners, I want to thank a few of you. Uh, David Newland, Nasser from Qatar, and Chris and Krista, who donated to make this episode of Once Podcast possible. We really appreciate your support, and it helps in the little bits and the big bits. Help make the server run, uh, keep it going, and trying to upgrade it and all of that. So we really appreciate your support. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you, David, Nasser, and Chris and Krista for your support. Oh, and by the way, Chris and Krista are known as Peter Pan and the Windy Bird, respectively. Oh. So we've seen them. So going back to... uh, the thing after Ruby then consoles Dr. Whale and points out this then thing that helps them remember and connect. Regina thought she was punishing us by erasing who we were, but I think she underestimated how much crap we wanted to forget. <sighs> yeah. But we can't let it stop us. She gave us a chance to start over, and I want to take it. So who else wants to start over? I think this is starting to go toward... Jeremy, you want to start over? <laughs> yeah, raise my hand. <laughs> um, I think this is going that direction how we've said that we really think that season is going to... Or at some point, some people are going to go back to Enchanted Forest, go back to their homes. But some people are going to recognize that now... They have a chance, a better chance at a happy ending. They can start over. And I'm thinking Dr. Whale and Ruby are two people who would choose to stay in Storybrooke if given the chance to go back home. I had that thought too. Other than again, Dr. Dr. Whale may want to go back to his brother. Finish that business. Mm -hmm. If there is business to finish. (laughs) Speaking of who else, Henry... Henry mentioned that Dr. Whale, or Frankenstein, was not in the book. And he said, who knows who else is in this town? So that really opens up a lot of casting opportunities. Yeah, a lot of characters, a lot of other stories. Now, on that same point, um, we got a couple emails in with some good suggestions. Scott B. from Philadelphia emailed saying, I think this land isn't based on any books, referring to um, a land without color, but the universal films of the 30s. I think this opens up possibly seeing Dracula, the mummy, the wolfman, uh, and maybe no. some type of Bride of Frankenstein. No. As for naming it, I like <laughs> Monsterland or Horrorland. <laughs> what does everyone else think? From Scott B. Well, in Philadelphia. I I will say that I wouldn't have voted to see Frankenstein if I had it to do over again. I'm still not sure I would vote to have Frankenstein in the story, although it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't want a lot of the others like Dracula and whatever else. Well, I asked I asked David Anders on Twitter who he's the guy who plays Dr. Whale. I mm-hmm. asked him 
have you known or how long have you known that you would be Frankenstein? And he did reply back. He's question Anders on Twitter, A-N-D-E-R-S. He replied back saying, since the beginning, he's known that he was going to be Frankenstein. So I think that since the beginning, the writers also knew that they would bring in characters from other stories not just fairy Mm -hmm. tale characters i agree and so they've always had this mechanism in place because it goes back to hat trick where you saw all the hats all of those other worlds are hints at what other worlds we might get to see characters from right i just don't know if i will enjoy them all (laughs) yeah that's true i mean they make it enjoyable but yeah well then the question becomes why or how did the curse actually affect these other people? Henry said that the curse must have affected other lands. So what other characters are we going to see? But so far, the only characters we've seen brought to Storybrooke from other lands are uh, Jefferson was brought from Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Whale was brought from a land without color. Both of those characters had connections with Regina. Smee was also brought, but we don't know whether Smee was still in Neverland. Oh, wait. No, he did say we were in Neverland mm, when the curse hit. Okay. Yeah. Back in the episode when uh, Smee showed up in Storybrooke, Smee did say we were in Neverland or I was in Neverland when the curse hit. Is that hit. really consistent, though, with what we saw when Cora was protecting... I would have to wonder, well, even if Smee said we, that doesn't necessarily mean Hook too. Yeah. Like Hook might have sailed his ship back to Enchanted Forest somehow through some portal well, and left Smee and some of his crew there. Smee wasn't protected Yeah, for some reason. So Smee was brought from Neverland. So that's actually three people brought. But all of those people so far that we've seen have had a connection to Regina or Rumpelstiltskin or both. Like... Smee was connected just to Rumpelstiltskin. Regina said she brought whom she chose to bring. Yeah. But um, I think Rumpel also had kind of some backdoor things that he brought, like Smee and I think that others. was poor wording. But. So I'm thinking any character we see or are going to see has some connection with Regina or Rumpelstiltskin. And this is what... Um, one of our other listeners, Gills or Siege on the forums, suggested uh, basically saying the same thing that all of these characters we've seen connected to Regina and Cor, or Regina at least, um, but also I'd say Rumple because of Smee. So any other character we see, we're probably going to see that they're connected to Regina or Rumple. And, you know, we have yet to see how that plays out. Because what Henry said might not be opened up until season two finale or maybe season three or something like that. Who knows? So then we come to uh, oh, around the same time. Well, just before this was when Emma spoke to the stranger. Actually, you know, there are a couple things I skipped, but Emma spoke to this outsider, Greg Mendel, and asked him these questions, and she's being really awkward about it. And kind of a couple things happened here. 
I think that after Emma talked to him and Emma went down and she said to Grumpy and Charming and Snow and everyone else, I think when Emma said free and clear, there was a slight look on her face that almost looked like she was lying and she knew that also Greg was lying. Mm. And you have to see it in video because I can't capture it in just a single screenshot. I thought she was going to come down the stairs and say he was lying. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm thinking Emma doesn't want to riot on her hands. She wants to just get this guy out of town. She should have charged him some kind of fee. (laughs) She should have. And said, don't you ever come to this town again texting on your phone, you stupid person. She should have handled that better. But uh, Kristen emailed suggesting that maybe Greg really tricked Emma in that Gregory didn't actually lie. Maybe so. Maybe he just omitted the truth. I think that's easier to believe than than reading into uh, a look she mm-hmm. might have had when she was coming downstairs. But he said that all he saw was texting and then a guy on his car. But so, he clearly saw something before that, so he was lying. I think he was just omitting the truth. I think maybe he was doing both of those, but he was just omitting well, the parts she, that would have revealed what he really knew. Yeah, she, she asked him something like, did you see anything? I think he said nothing, and then he said, well, I saw the road. And then he That's explained fine. that he was texting. There and, was a guy holding a fireball and a woman on the road before Hook. So either he's lying. I mean, he's just well, lying. He's hiding the truth. We can be sure of that. But whether he's actually lying, I don't know. That I think that's in question. I think he was good at hiding the truth. Mm-hmm. Wow. He just omitted the truth. Yeah. Around the same time. That's what I think anyway. Well, then what did he see? What was he talking about on the phone? He didn't well, say. That was... He just... He, he said he saw the road and he was texting. Yeah. So he could have been doing both of those, looking at the road and texting. <laughs> Which, you know, you shouldn't do. No, you shouldn't. Not at all. But yeah, here's his actual call to his wife, since we're mentioning this. Honey. Or someone. I, I, I know. Just wait, wait. Just listen, just listen, okay? Yes, I'm okay. I, I was in an accident. Honey. You're not going to believe what I saw. A man with a hook, <laughs> a man throwing a fireball. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be anything like that. Maybe he saw something else. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny to see like everybody scrambling to make this look like a show? <laughs> to to try and like make people think that they're normal they're just you know putting on a show for tourism that's a funny idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I don't know i think that he is just a stranger that accidentally stumbled in and now he's a major risk because he could reveal all of this and bring other people in on a tour bus yeah. down Main Street. Yes. <laughs> That's what I want to get on. That tour bus. <laughs> By the way, just before Emma went to speak to him, Emma handed 
uh, Grumpy or Leroy her coffee cup yeah. and Grumpy drank it. That made me think, well, they were close in, in a fairy tale land. Like she was living with them. So it's probably no big deal. Emma, not Snow White. Oh, Emma. Right. Yeah. Emma. Yeah. I, I, it, his look was kind of one of, what do I do with this? Well, well I guess I'll, I'll drink, drink it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also around the same time was when Gold went in to Bell that last time and he had the cup and he said he enchanted it or he charmed it. So this was after he asked Cora whether she had anything to bring back memories and Cora said no, basically. And so he's he's grasping at straws, whatever that phrase means here. And he's trying, but Bell just isn't receiving it. And it's such a terrible scene of seeing chip thrown against the wall it's not bell's chip. <laughs> bell's rejection it represents though. chip bell's rejection of rumpelstiltskin and you can see that utter pain on rumpelstiltskin's face as he runs out apologizing i love that inky called the chip or the cup the chipped cup of precious preciousness <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if she actually like after he left were to examine that cup, like mm. the pieces of the cup, and then Maybe remember while he's gone. Maybe. It's a possibility. Speaking of talismans, I think I think that <laughs> that we can that there's no question that Rumpel's talisman still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if he's planning a trip. Yeah, because last episode we were like <clears throat> Oh my gosh, what if it doesn't work? Among things I never would have thought I'd hear you say before this series and this podcast started. <laughs> speaking of talismans. <laughs> we were speaking of talismans. We were. Thanks to Once Upon a Time. <laughs> we got another suggestion of what might happen with Belle. And this one, this is going to upset some people, but I think this is a legitimate suggestion. Is uh, This came in from... Uh, from Sarah, and that is, she says, I came up with this weird theory yesterday. We know Rumple is leaving with Emma and Belle is staying in Storybrooke. Now, what if Hook's plan isn't finished? With Belle not remembering and Rumple gone, what if the good captain swoops in and tries to steal yet another girl from his nemesis? He can turn on the polite charm when he wants and his tactics might prove much more effective than Rumpel's attempts. Though I absolutely hate this idea, and everyone in our chat room also hates the idea, too. <laughs> you know that makes me think of? It what? makes me think of the, um, the version of Hook, well, called Hook, and it had Robin Williams in it. Oh, yeah. And he, um, he oh, had yeah. Peter Pan's children. He tried to get Peter Pan's children to love him. And he succeeded with Pan's son, but he didn't with Peter Pan's daughter. So yeah. <laughs> that makes me think about that. That he's gonna make yeah, true. He's gonna make his enemies, woman, love him. And, and we've seen how Herc is definitely the womanizer. But um, yep. Sarah said here, though I absolutely hate this idea. I have realized Jeremy was right in his comments on Hook about Hook being a gross pervert, <laughs> it, which we see more of or hear more of in this episode. It would be perhaps the greatest way to add insult to injury when it comes to his nemesis. That's from Sarah from Illinois, and she adds a P.S. here. Jeremy, 
I would totally buy autographed knots. <laughs> nice. By the way, what would be the the so-called shipping on Hook and Bell? Because ship bell shell or, um, wait, okay. wait 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 bell, yeah. bell hook <laughs> okay that's fine there's another obvious one that book. i won't say that comes to mind how about book hook l is <laughs> they're saying in the chat or or yeah you i know what you're getting at <laughs> yeah because that's what they're gonna put us through if they go down that road uh-huh. yeah yeah and chat room doesn't like this we don't like this but you know what we should just go with book this <laughs> yeah book there you go well, this fun. could happen though it Ugh. could happen. I don't want it to, but it could. So now, last thing to talk about here, this road trip that Rumpel is planning to take with Emma, mm-hmm. that he called in his favor, and we kind of always assumed that the favor would be in some way helping him find Bay. Did you notice where on the map they were headed? I couldn't that, doubt. That map. Oh, that is really hard because the map itself, and I'll have screenshots in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 76, but the map itself is not really that accurate. The United States does not completely look like the United States. Like, not all of the Great Lakes are there. The details along the New England coast aren't there. Florida looks kind of bloated. It's a slightly oddly drawn map of the United States. Well, it's made out of blood. So <laughs> they did the best. Like I, I mean, up near Alaska and the the poles are really highly detailed in the Florida Keys. But um, the section that's glowing on the map just looks, shows Rumple's blood type. It's not actually where they're going. <laughs> it, it's really hard to tell because the map is inaccurate. It looks kind of like it's. South of New York, like around Virginia, Washington, D.C. kind of area. But it looks like it could also be New York. Uh, So it's uh, really questionable which one it is. I'm thinking it's New York um, because of the way the map is drawn. And like I said, we'll have screenshots in the show notes. But because of the way the map is drawn, it looks like it's it could be New York or it could be somewhere farther south of New York. hmm. I don't know. But they're they're planning a road trip. Rumpel knows exactly where he wants to go. He's taking Emma with him. And, uh, well, as he said... It has to be today because every minute I'm here is a minute closer to me killing Hook. So it's really best for all concerned if I leave. And you're gonna- now, this thing of killing Hook, I think that's just his threat of saying, I'm going to kill someone whom you're trying to protect and just simply keep alive. Not like a personal threat to Emma, like I'm going to kill your new boyfriend. It's just, you don't want this guy to be killed. You're trying to protect him from me. I'm going to kill him if we don't leave now. want to come with me? Oh, and um, we have a long history. So know this and know it to be true. If any harm comes to Belle while I'm gone... I'm killing all of you. And he was definitely including Henry in that statement because he actually looked down at Henry when he's part of uh, when he said that. Oh, that's just mean. So they're going on a rope trip. Just Emma and Rumpel. I assume just the two of them. Maybe Henry's being brought along too, but they're the ones who can leave Storybrooke. And I think they're going to go to New York and... I'm thinking going to find Neil, who is probably Bay, and hmm. and we'll see. 
And uh, one other thing, Regina and Cora, we talked about this in our initial reactions. Regina and Cora are now teamed up together, despite Regina's catching Cora in lies herself. But um, a suggestion that we received from Vanessa, and this is the last feedback we'll be able to include here. Vanessa said, I rewatched this episode and Cora is truly a manipulative witch. I did not get her masterful I did not get her masterful manipulation of Rumple and Regina until the end of the episode. So here it is. As we know, and Cora seemed to know as well, Belle is scared to death of the creepy older guy who kisses her and shows her cracked cups. Thus, she knows that Rumple will be broken, as is Regina. So she brings him a quote gift, unquote which she knows he will use to find Bay, the only person left that he loves, and also give up Regina's hiding place. By doing this, she enables Rumpel to call in his favor from Emma, thus leaving Henry free and clear for Regina. She set this all in motion, so by the time Regina gives in, the stage has been set for Regina to try and get Henry back. And I would add to this, the stage is set for Regina and Cora to rise to power inside of Storybrooke because Emma, the one person, well, Emma and Rumpel, the two people that Cora cannot defeat, and maybe even Regina too, are gone, are, are leaving on this little road trip. And remember that the next episode of Once Upon a Time won't air until February 10th. So we've got a little hiatus here. There's some kind of football game going on in between but so next episode airs on february 10th and you'll get to hear more about that episode in our spoilers that will be after the music at the end of this episode we talked about a lot we got a whole bunch of feedback and i'm so sorry that we weren't able to include that but we will have a little spoiler section after our music for our episode but thank you so much for listening these episodes have been longer as we've been receiving such great feedback and have so much to talk about but please check out the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 76 for the links and screenshots that we mentioned And be watching for that 77th episode that will be our special interview with Raphael Sabarge. We'd love it if you'd go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and write a review for us there, just like a bunch of people did recently. Danny Dubner, Phoenix Heart 93, Bell 12782, Fashion 12345, Dottie Matrix from Germany, Once Girl Heart, Ice Rose 100, B Deb Sing, and Lula. Left reviews for us in iTunes. Thank you so much. I was blown away by how many reviews we received recently. That really means a lot to us, really encourages us. So thank you so much for those reviews. Anyone else can go to iTunes and write a review or mark these reviews as helpful by going to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. You can also go to there to subscribe with iTunes if you're not already subscribed or that works on uh, an Apple mobile device too. So you can subscribe with the podcast app. Please send us your feedback on future episodes of Once Upon a Time by emailing feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. And you can also go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message link to record a message from your computer and send it to us. Please follow us on Twitter as once podcast to follow the show on twitter and then each of us individually i'm daniel j lewis and you can follow me on twitter at the ramen noodle 
I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. And remember that a resurrected favorite son with an enchanted heart is, well, nothing to shake a candle at. Thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast, especially to Simul TV. Check them out at oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. And if you would like to support an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and now for spoilers from hunter hunter hathaway here with a short little spoiler for you season two episode 13 tiny will air in three weeks on february 10th it's directed by guy ferland and written by christine boyland and kalina vasquez the giant is back and in storybrook thanks to cora but he's now just like a regular man and has lost his height advantage thanks to that witch The giant has come to settle a score and kill David, a case of mistaken identity. And who offers to help? Regina, of course. Mr. Gold, Emma, and Henry attempt to leave Storybrooke. Will Mr. Gold's memory stay intact as the trio head to the airport and search for Bay? The stranger, now known to us as Greg, questions Belle as to what she saw on the night of his accident. In past fairy tale time, Anton, the giant, climbs down the beanstalk against his brother's wishes and attempts to befriend the humans. That's all I have for you today. More casting news and other spoilers next week. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Thanks for listening.